Last week we started a short series of messages dealing with baggage. And if you'll remember, baggage we kind of define in a layman's definition is not, the, not these physical suitcases like you see here. This is just a representation. But when we talked about baggage, we talked about the things that weigh you down in life and those things in life that wear you out. And if you've ever had to lug a lot of heavy baggage through the airport or wherever it might be, you recognize how how difficult and cumbersome that could be. Well, when we talked about it last week, we, we used regret as an example of one of those pieces of baggage that we carry through life. And we, we talked about how this regret that we carry from things that we've said or left unsaid, done or left undone, how those things linger with us. They're like a ghost around every corner. They're like a weight that bears down on us. Now, I don't have time to go through the entire message, but we will have, it's online for you. You can go there and you can, you can check that out. But today, I also wanted to talk about some baggage that that really weighs all of us down. All of us have to struggle with this, no matter where we are in life. And that's the baggage of guilt and sin. You go, wow, if I don't know that was coming, I might not have showed up this morning. Uh, But you know what? We need to address that. It's important that we consider sin and the guilt that accompanies that because sin and guilt, guilt and sin, they're kind of like traveling companions. They are the ones in the left lane in Atlanta. I mean, they're in the carpool lane. They're riding together, sin and guilt, guilt and sin. And sometimes they'll even have the back, in the back seat, they'll have regret with them. Okay, the, we need to deal with this because this is something that's common to all of us. It's a struggle that each person ha- has. And so this morning we want to consider that. And as we do it, we, we want to ask ourselves, how, how do you jump into that? Um, for, you know, it's not quite warming up yet, but pretty soon temperatures start warming and people start filling up the pools that they have or uncovering the pools that they have and get them ready for the season. There's nothing like jumping into the pool for the first time in the year. The water feels like ice water. I mean, it's so cold. And, and some people, they approach it by just dipping toe in and then they'll just kind of ease their body. They will extend the misery just as long as they possibly can. And other people go to the deep end and they just dive in and get it all over with really, really quickly. So how do we get into this this morning? Talking about guilt and sin, this baggage that all of us carry. And the simple way is to look at Romans chapter 3, verse 23, which says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Boy, that's jumping in the deep end, isn't it? That's just going ahead and getting that cold blast from the very, very outset. Because what this verse tells us, what, what God is trying to tell us through the Apostle Paul is that absolutely none of us are exempt. This equa- we're all in this equation. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That doesn't mean we don't do good things. It doesn't mean we aren't generous from time to time. It doesn't mean we're as bad as we possibly could be. It simply means what it says. We all sin. Now, if you were to do a study in the New Testament of the word sin, you would discover that there's a, there are a number of Greek words that are actually translated as sin in the New Testament. The word that Paul is led to use here is a word hamartan, 
which means uh, to come short or to fall short of something. So it's almost a dual use. He is, he's not only giving us the word, he's defining the word in the rest of his sentence. We all come, come short and come short of the glory of God. What he's telling us here is not only what we're doing, but what the mark is that we're missing. What's the mark we're missing? The glory of God. We're missing God's design for our life. How God intended for us to live and to be. We're falling short of that. Like an archer who goes out to arrange and pulls back the string and lets the arrow fly. And instead of hitting the mark, hitting the target, the arrow falls short. Now, unlike archery, if you happen to be strong enough or can gain the strength, and you practice enough, that archer then can go out and at least from time to time pull back the string and actually hit the mark. With, a, with some practice, you can do that. But what we need to understand from God's Word is when it comes to our spiritual condition, it's terminal. You can't practice. Listen, you cannot do enough good stuff. You can never become generous enough, and you cannot attend church enough, regularly enough to overcome that. There's nothing you can do. I've ne- How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? Okay, some of you know that is more than a big ditch. I mean, it, that is a great expanse. And, and none of you would even think of saying, you know what, I think if I... If I work out, I mean, if if I get into an Olympic kind of program and I work out and I get my body in prime physical condition and I, I, you know, I'm at the, I'm at the height of human achievement here. I, I have, I've brought myself to the point where I am chiseled like Adonis. Do any of you think you could just go take a, a run and launch yourself out and cross that expanse no it's it's a hopeless task and and that's the task that we have before us and that's what paul is telling us here he said for all have sinned and fall short way short of the life that god designed for us because all of us all of us have sinned now, let's add another layer to this. If, you, if you'll follow me, a little bit later in this letter that Paul writes to the church at Rome, he says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, any of you who have been employed, you understand what wages are, right? It's what you're paid for what you do. You're getting what you are due, although when it comes to your employment, you may not think you're getting quite enough for what you do. But that is the compensation for what you have achieved during that week or two-week period or month-long period, however, whatever the pay period is. Well, what does it say is the wages, what we earn, what we are due for our sin? What does it say? Death. Now, when it talks about death, certainly physical death, that is, that is a result of the fall. And we are creeping gradually toward that. But there's also a spiritual death that is meant here. And, and we need to hear this because this is super critical. It's not just that 
we're going to go through life and sometimes we do good things and sometimes we do bad things and then we die and it's all over. That is not the, the picture that the scriptures paint of what's going to happen. The scriptures paint a doorway, if you will, when this life is over. Whether the life has lasted two months or 20 years or even if somehow you could live to be 200, that doorway is out there somewhere. But it, it, it's, not, it's not a dead end. It is an entryway into eternity. And the Bible says that we will either spend our eternity with God in heaven or we will spend an eternity apart from God in hell. Now I realize, now you say, now you say, hey, listen, if I'd have known he was going to talk about this. Now that hell stuff, that's offensive to me. Well, I hope so. Because that does not have to be your destination. But what the Bible says here is that we all, not only have we all sinned, but the wages for that sin is death. And that death is not merely physical death. It is a spiritual death. It is being eternally separated from God forever and ever and ever and ever in a place called hell. What we're reading is we're all guilty. The verdict's already been passed. We're guilty before a sinless, holy God. And so, this is the the baggage we carry through life. Our sin and our guilt, unless, unless there were someone who could somehow take the sin and the guilt along with it off of us, who could bear that burden on our behalf, who could take away the sin and take away the guilt. Actually, I know a guy. And a long time ago, a prophet by the name of Isaiah talked about him. Here's what he said. He said, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we're healed. Now, I often hear this verse talking, uh, you know, people talking about physical healing. I'm not denying the physical healing, but I'm telling you here, the kind of wounds that we had went way beyond anything medical science could touch. We were spiritually wounded, and it was a mortal wound. And yet what Jesus did for us brings perfect healing, not to our bodies alone, but to our souls. A little later, God would speak this through Isaiah. Come now, let's settle the matter. Your Bible may read, let's let's reason together. Let's, Let's think about this and let's get this right. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And though they're red as crimson, they'll be like wool. And then if we fast forward, the Apostle Paul would write of this man in him... 
we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Now, most of you here, you know exactly who Isaiah was talking about. You know exactly who Paul was talking about. But if you don't know who we're talking about, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. It is Jesus who is pierced for our transgressions. It is Jesus who took our punishment upon him so that we might have peace. It is Jesus who took our place on that cross. And he did nothing to deserve it. He lived a perfect life. And yet, he chose to go and to die, not for himself, but for, for us. And he redeemed us. He bought us back from sin and guilt. He took the load off of us that weighed us down, that baggage of sin, the accompanying guilt that came along with it. Jesus removed that guilt. He removed that sin And when we stand in Christ, listen, when we stand in Christ, we are no longer declared guilty. We need to get this. Don't miss this. This will change how you live, not only your Sunday, but the rest of the week. If somehow you could plant yourself in this and have this planted in you. God no longer sees us as guilty In Christ, we are His right. Listen, this is what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Now imagine this. It is not simply that Jesus came into your life and he got an eraser and he just, he just erased, erased the sin. Now, if any of you use whiteboards or even back when you used chalkboards, what happened when you erased it? What was left? Kind of a ghost image, right? A little, a little shadow image of, of what was there. And it took extra effort. I remember one of, one of my jobs back in fifth grade was to walk. You had to stay behind if you washed the board. Now, if, if you got to beat the erasers, you got to go do that during class time. So you wanted that job. But the job you didn't want was the job of staying after and getting a bucket with some water and begin to wipe the chalkboard down, okay, and get all that stuff off that. Jesus didn't just come down and and just faintly erase the stuff to leave the ghost image behind. Jesus came and took it all away. Man, he took the board away. And when you stand before God in Christ, no matter what you've done, no matter how much you have fallen, or how badly you've fallen. 
in Christ, we read it earlier, we're a new creation. The old is what? Gone. And all things have become new. We're different. We're a new creation in Christ, and we are in Him declared righteous. Now, if the price for our sin has been paid, and it has, and if the price for our sin is paid means the guilt has been removed, and it has, then you and I have literally been set free from it. All that baggage, you have been set free. That's no longer yours to carry. Jesus took care of it on the cross. All your sins, all my sins, past, present, and future. See, some people just say, okay, well, I became a Christian. That took care of everything in the past. Now I'm responsible for everything in the future. I sure hope not. That's not what the Bible says. Listen, Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's all done. It's paid in full. When Jesus pronounced on the cross, it is finished. He put a period there, not a comma, not a dash, not a semicolon. He put a period there. It is done. Everything that needed to be done for the salvation of humanity, everything that needed to be done for the fulfillment of my mission on the earth to be Savior, everything has been done. And so we read in Romans 8, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean people won't condemn you. Oh, they will. That doesn't mean Satan won't condemn you. Oh, oh, he will. But here's the reality of it. This This is the reality of it. There is therefore no condemnation. No condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So where do we want our location to be? In Christ Jesus. Okay, that's going to be important for us. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit more in just a minute how do we get there but some of you are there you you've you've surrendered your life to christ you've you've turned your back on sin and you've turned to god you've accepted jesus as the only way the only truth and the only life for you the only way to the father but you still feel guilty am i right when when, when you do something and you knew you shouldn't have done that you still feel guilty and or maybe it's something that you wish you had done and you, you feel guilty because you didn't do it. Or, or maybe it's something you said. Oh, none of you have that problem, right? You feel badly because of something that you said. You wish you hadn't said it. Or maybe you wish you had said something. You feel badly about that. You feel guilty, kind of regret kind of stuff slipping into your life. And, and what's that all about? I mean, obviously, if we're clean, if we've, been, if we've been made new, if all that stuff right there has been taken care of, taken off our shoulders, taken out of our account, then what's this guilty feeling about? And, and I want to tell you something. Um, when you do feel guilty, and that is a legitimate feeling, I want to tell you there are two forces at work. 
God's at work and Satan's at work. And you, church, you need to know this. They want things from your life that are diametrically opposed. What they want to use this this guiltiness, this feeling of guilt, what they want to use that for are two entirely different things. The Bible tells us that God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes to convict us. Now, Now, what is that? In John 16, we read, and when he comes, that's talking about the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The the word convict, the word convict means to convince someone of the truth. It's a real simple definition. It means to convince someone of the truth. And for the believer, the Holy Spirit convicts us. In other words, he, he makes known to us, he shows us what is true and how our lives are out of alignment with that. I, I got teased the other day because we were planning our missions and ministry fair coming up in March and, and we're talking about putting numbers up on the wall for the table so that you can find exactly which ministry it is, which mission opportunity it is. And we were going to put numbers up there and kind of give you a, a little map so you'll know, okay, one's here, two here, three here. And, and, and they have given me the job of getting the numbers and getting those put up on the wall. And, uh, and, and I said, I'm going to have to borrow a laser level because there would be nothing that would bother me more than to come in and these numbers just kind of all, all out of line. okay. Part of what the Holy Spirit does is he brings that laser level into your life. And he shoots that red line to let you see how your, your life doesn't measure up. Now, now, you need to understand this. Satan's kind of doing some of the same stuff, but they've got different motivation. Why is the Holy Spirit bringing conviction into your life? It's real simple. Because he wants you to recognize that you're out of line with where God wants you to be. He wants you to be humble enough to confess that you're out of line. Boy, that's the first step. is to be able to admit it. Not ignore it, but admit. My life's out of line with where God wants me to be. To repent. What's that word repent mean? It sounds, you know, it's not a scary word. It basically means you change your heart, you change your mind. And therefore you change your life. So, to repent means I recognize and I confess, I admit it, that I'm out of line with where God wants me to be. And therefore, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a Christian, I want to make a choice. I want to change my mind. I want to change my choice. I'm going to change my direction. I want to, in other words, bring myself back in line with where God wants me to be. Confession and repentance and when that happens then I am brought back into right fellowship with the Father in other words I've been living over here I've distanced myself from God when I bring myself back into line it's not that I've lost my salvation now but I have wandered away I've stumbled into sin we all stumble in many ways what the Bible says If anyone says he's without sin, he's a liar and the truth's not in him. Okay, we bring ourselves back into line with God and that fellowship that we have with God is restored. Now, 
you go, okay, I don't, I don't quite understand what, what's here. The relationship never changes. Probably the best picture in the Bible of that is the story of the prodigal son. Many of you know the story. If you don't, uh, it, look it up. It's really easy. You can even Google that and you'll find the scripture passage. Go find that. Spend some time reading this because there's a father and he had a couple of sons. And one son decided that he didn't like his father's house. He didn't like his father's rules. He didn't like his father's lifestyle. And he wanted to move away from that, get out of line with that and create his own set of standards, his own life, his own choices. And so he did that. And his father let him go. He didn't let him go because he didn't love him. He loved him in spite of that. Now, let me ask you a question. Okay, you've got the father over here. He's at the old homestead. You've got the son over here that's living a wild life. Okay, is that boy still his son? Yes. He's still his son. It doesn't matter how far he wanders, how far he roams, how far he falls, he's still his son. The relationship is still there. But when the father is here and the son is here, is there any fellowship? No, there can't be. But when the son brought himself back into line, brought himself back into the father's home, then the fellowship was reestablished. As a matter of fact, the father said, we're having a party. Man, that's, a, that, that's it. We, we're Baptists. We know fellowship and food go together. Bring them back in the line. Listen, if you don't think that's true, you ought to hear the words of Jesus in Revelation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Listen, if anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and dine with him. So, hey, we're in good company. Bring it back into fellowship. The relationship was still there. The fellowship was broken. Now, I do want you to understand there are people who can actually stay in the Father's house, but in their heart, they've wandered to the far country. Okay? It doesn't have to be all that, always that person who is living a, a riotous life, who's out there partying it up all the time. There are people who stay right in the household whose hearts are far from the Father. And so that fellowship doesn't exist there, but the relationship's there. And so if you are in Christ, you may have wandered away, but the Holy Spirit's re- the reason the Holy Spirit kind of shines the light into your life is to try to bring you back. He wants you to confess. He wants you to repent. He wants you to come home. Now, now Satan's up to something different. The Holy Spirit's like this big light, but, but Satan wants to condemn you. He's into condemnation, and he's into these little whispers. And he'll start telling you things about your life. He'll not only point out, hey, you wandered off. He'll say, you are a hopeless failure. Why in the world would you ever go back? The Father will never receive you back. You've not only broken fellowship, you've broken relationship. You can't be any better. You can't do any better. There's no hope for you. And these lies are continually whispered over and over and over in your ear until you actually begin to believe them. Condemnation brings your sin to light, but it doesn't offer any hope for being set 
free. Satan, we're told, is the father of lies. Satan, in Revelation, we're told, is the accuser of the brothers. But we read of Jesus that he's always interceding to the Father for us. Can you imagine? It's, it's like a great court scene where you have Jesus as the defender and you have Satan as the accuser. Jesus wins. If you didn't get that, Jesus wins. All right, I think Perry Mason, some of you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. Perry Mason was a law, way before some of these law shows on TV now, Perry Mason was a lawyer. I think he lost one case. If I'm not mistaken, I think he lost one case. You can use that probably in trivial pursuit. Okay, Jesus doesn't lose. If you're in Christ, you belong to him and he wins. He defends you. He's always interceding to the Father on your behalf. But Satan comes with a different agenda. We're told that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so the question is, who are you going to listen to? Church, Christians, believers, who are you going to listen to? If you listen to the whispers of Satan, he'll have you cowered somewhere in a corner and completely ineffective for the cause of Christ in this world. But if you listen to the Holy Spirit, you'll come home. You'll find restoration and a new beginning. Church, our challenge is to remember who we are in Christ, that we are forgiven. If we remember that we're forgiven and we remember who we are in Christ, we can live a life free from all this baggage. And we don't have to listen to Satan tell us, hey, you better pick that stuff up again and carry it. Because I don't know about you, but if the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. I am free from it. That does, that's no longer in my account. It has been withdrawn and destroyed as far as God's concerned and so if you are in christ here's what i want you to hear and i here's what i want you to do would you please close your eyes i'm not going to ask you to do anything but listen but i want you to hear these three little short portions of scripture i want this to sink down into your heart my dear children i write this to you so that you will not sin but if anyone does sin we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And then this final one, listen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come all this is from god who reconciled us brought us together uh, him who reconciled us through christ and gave us gave it to us the ministry of reconciliation 
that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us and we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, you can open your eyes. Read three passages there if you want to write them down for further study. It's 1 John 2, 1. Psalm 103, verses 10 through 12. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. It might do you some good just to meditate on those this week, to get the reality of it in your heart. Now, I have two challenges this morning. The first is, the first is to those of you who cannot honestly say you are in Christ. The bad news is all this baggage over here, that's still yours to carry. All the sin and the guilt that goes with it, that's yours. But you can walk out of this place freed from it. There is forgiveness available in Jesus Christ and you can receive it. The Bible tells us that God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, trusts in him, clings to him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. Your sins can be forgiven. The old hymn says, my sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. That can be your story. That can be your song. If you need Jesus this morning, we invite you to come and receive him. Now, if you're already in Christ and you know that you are in Christ, then what is the challenge to you today? The challenge for you today is to listen to what the Holy Spirit's telling you and not to what the enemy's telling you. He wants you cowered in a corner, helpless, hopeless, burdened with sin and guilt that you you don't need to carry anymore. But the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, come on out of the corner. In the verse that we shared with you last week, as Jesus said, come. Come all of you who are weary, burdened down, and I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And you, <laughs> he's talking to you this morning. You will find rest for your soul. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for speaking to us. Sometimes it is like jumping into the pool on that first day it's opened. and It's a shock to us. But Lord, sometimes we need to be shocked awake like that. We need to be alerted to where we are. And Lord, if there are those here this morning who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, and Lord, I pray that they will not leave here today carrying that burden of guilt and sin, that they would have it removed by placing their faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, and trusting in Him as the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father. Thank you.
And Lord, if there are those today who are in Christ, but who have been deceived into believing that they're no good, they're unloved, there can never be a new start, a new day. They've been convinced by the enemy to hide in the corner, cower, keep their mouth shut, and just live out their lives carrying a weight of guilt and sin that is nothing but a shadow of that which has already been erased. Lord, there's some believers here today who need to be set free. Who need to walk away from the old life. And need to embrace the new life that you have for them. So, Lord God, I come in the powerful name of Jesus today to ask that you would break the chains and set the captives free. Lord, this is your time to do as you will, and I pray that your spirit would speak to each heart and that we would be humble enough to respond. For this is my prayer in the powerful name of Jesus.